God, we are thank you, thanking you this morning for your amazing grace that through your Son, we are made flawless. We are made righteous in your sight. May we celebrate that today in Jesus' name. Amen. We have been challenging you all summer long about uh, chasing the heart of God, being that person who is after God's heart. I cannot think of anything that would move us more quickly into that direction than what we're talking about today. If we could just get a clear view of God's grace to us, then surely it would move us towards being a people who are after the heart of God. The psalmists seem to have a clear view of God's grace. I want to read to you from Psalms 103, just one passage out of this great book that emphasizes the grace of God. Psalms 103, verses 1 through 4, then we'll jump down to verse 8. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will He keep His anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. This message of God's grace is just sprinkled throughout this entire book of Psalms. I want to encourage you, as you read through Psalms, highlight those verses that have to do with God's grace. Just a week ago, I think it was, I was sitting down with a a couple who's new to our church, and, and we were talking about God's grace, the good news of God's grace. And I turned to this chapter out of Psalms, 103, verse 12, and I read that to them, that God removes our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. And I said to them, if you go far enough north, there comes a point where you will eventually be going south. And if you go far enough south, you will eventually reach a point where you are going north. But it's different with the east and west. If you start going west, and and you keep on going west, you will always be going west. And the same is true with the east. If you go east, and you stay on course going east, you will always be going east. And, and, And the psalmist, when he said that he would remove our sins as far as the east is from the west... That means He will totally remove our sins from us. I said to them, our sins are gone when we trust in Jesus as Savior. They are completely gone. They are forgotten. They are erased from our record. 
And when I said that, reading that verse and giving that little explanation there of what I just said to you, I I wish you could have been in the room with me and seen the look on the lady's face and the smile that came afterwards. It was, to me, if I was reading her right, it was a look of enlightenment. The truth had dawned on her that she could be forgiven completely. And to me, the look on her face was worth a thousand words. It was like, oh my, oh my, my sins can be that far gone? And then just the sweetest smile came onto her face. It was truly a beautiful moment as she realized the wonder of God's grace. I want to say to you this morning, first of all, we need His grace because of our sin. We all need His grace. Simply because we are marred people. We have sinned against God. We have fallen short of His glory. We are like the people in this music video that we just saw. Our robes of righteousness are stained with the goop and dirtiness of sin. I can't seem to help myself. If I sit down to the table to eat with a white shirt on, I cannot get away from that table without some stain on my shirt before the meal is over. If we go to uh, El Charro's after uh, Sunday service and I'm eating those chips with salsa on them, invariably the salsa will fall off of the chip and it will fall onto my white shirt. It will not fall onto the table. It will fall onto my shirt. It's like a, a natural law. It has to fall on my white shirt. If I'm eating gravy and, and, and mashed potatoes at some point in that meal, if I've got a white shirt on, that gravy is going to drip off of the spoon and it's going to drip onto my white shirt. It's, it's a law. It just has to happen. I don't know if you're that way, but that's the way it is for me. I love eating a big, juicy hamburger. And I love all of the fixings on it. Cheese and, and uh, ketchup and mayonnaise and, and uh, mustard and tomato and onions and lettuce and, and all of that good stuff. I, I'm, by the time I'm finished preparing that hamburger, it's so thick I can hardly get my mouth over it, if you can believe that. But invariably, as I'm eating that hamburger, at some point in the meal, ketchup is going to drip out and it's going to drip onto my white Shirt, it's like I need a bib. I, I, I just cannot keep my white shirt clean. <laughs> Nor can any of us keep our robes of righteousness clean from the stains of sin. Try as we may, we cannot do it. The, the prophet Isaiah said, our robes of righteousness are like what? Filthy rags. The prophet Jeremiah said it this way, that our heart is more deceitful than all else and it is desperately sick. Solomon said it this way in Ecclesiastes 9.3, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil and insanity is in their hearts throughout their lives. 
The New Testament echoes the same message. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 and following, there is none righteous, not even one. He said this, all have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asp is under their list. I wonder, is there anybody here that would dare stand up and say, that's not true of me. No, I think it's true of all of us. We're all sinners. We are good at one thing. We are good at sinning. We sin with our tongue. We sin with our eyes. We sin with our mind, our our attitudes, our feet, our hands. We are a sinful people. We don't want to be. We try and not be, but we are. It's our nature. Adam passed it on to us. Now, we could look at the fellow across the street or down the street from us, and we can try to justify ourselves by saying, I'm better than that person. I mean, that person has all kinds of sin issues in their life. Maybe they do. But the truth is, you do too, and so do I. We all do. In fact, the Scripture says just one sin is enough to separate us from God. James chapter 2, verse 10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. The reality is, every single one of us here are sinners and we are in need of God's grace. Let me give to you a second point. We need His grace because of the hardships that we face in our life. Not just do we need His grace because of our sin, but we need His grace because of the hardships that we face in our life. You think about the one who wrote the majority of these chapters in the book of Psalms, David. He faced a lot of hardships. Saul chased him all over the countryside trying to kill him. It wasn't because David deserved that. It was because Saul was a jealous king. And Saul's jealousy and Saul's attempt to to kill David put him under extreme hardship that seemed to be at times 24-7 in his life. He needed the grace of God to help him through. In fact, as I think about the many people that are listed in this scripture, their stories, I can't think of hardly anyone that didn't have some kind of hardship to get through. I'm thinking of Daniel. Daniel lived in a society that was anti-God, and if he continued to pray to his God, he was going to be thrown into the lion's den. Daniel needed God's grace to get him through. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, same story, lived under the same dilemma. If they didn't bow down to that golden idol, they would be thrown into the fiery furnace. They needed God's grace to get them through. Queen Esther, she had her own dilemma. The people of God, the Jewish people, they were about to be annihilated. And Queen Esther had to decide whether she was going to get in on that 
mess or not? Was she going to try to save them or was she going to try and save herself? Well, if you know that story, you know that she decided to get involved and to try and save God's people and she needed God's grace to get her through. Story is true over in the New Testament too. Paul needed God's grace to get him through. He had a physical ailment of some sort, a thorn in the flesh, he called it. He prayed three times for God to remove that thorn from him. Do you remember what God said to him? God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul needed God's grace to get him through. And and the truth is, so do you and I. We need God's grace to help us get through the hardships of our life. We each have them. Job chapter 14, verse 1 says, Man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. One of the scriptures says, or one of the translations says, that life is just full of trouble. And all we have to do is look at our own life, our own journey, Look at the person sitting next to you, either to the right or to the left, and you'll see that that's true for them too. Every single one of us have hardships in our life, and we need the grace of God to help us get through. We all deal with different hardships, don't we? I mean, some of us here are dealing with cancer. Some are dealing with other illnesses that are impacting their life in a great way. Some are dealing with family issues. Some are dealing with financial issues. Some among us have lost loved ones and and we're trying to get through that journey. We need God's grace to get us through those hardships. I've got good news for you today. God's grace is available for us. Third point is this. He is rich in grace and He wants to lavish His grace upon us. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood. This is speaking about Jesus. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of of His grace which He lavished on us. Now that's a passage worth highlighting in your Bibles. That word lavished in the original language, it means to furnish one richly so that he has an abundance. I don't know why, but the word lavished, anytime that I see that or think about it, my mind just immediately goes to ice cream. There's a place in Garfield, Arkansas. It's about 30 minutes from where my sister lives. And every time that we go to see her, either on the way there or on the way back home, we have to stop at the bus stop because of their ice cream. And and you could say it this way. They lavish their customers with ice cream. And to such a point that normally when I go to get an ice cream at the bus stop, I get a small cone of vanilla soft cream ice, 
ice cream. And the ice cream on a small cone is at least six to eight inches above the cone. That's a small. And it is absolutely delicious. Well, we were at my sister's over the 4th of July weekend and uh, coming home on that Saturday. Actually, I think Saturday was the 4th and we were coming home on the 4th and we stopped at the bus stop for an ice cream. And my mom was with us in the car and she says, I'm buying. I said, okay, that sounds good to me. And so actually, she and the girls, Cindy and Rebecca, were in the car with us. And the three girls went in. They went to get the ice cream. And I parked the car. And I actually stayed in the car. And so they got the ice cream. Out they come. And with mom buying, you know how moms want to feed their baby boys. And so instead of getting a small vanilla ice cream, she got a medium soft-serve vanilla ice cream. And this, I am not exaggerating, the medium was ten, at least 10 inches above the cone. And it's the 4th of July. You know what soft ice cream does in hot weather. And I mean, I go to eating on that thing, and I, I'm snarfing it, and I can't believe it, I ate the whole thing. <laughs> no, it wasn't white. <laughs> but that place lavishes their ice cream to their customers. There's another illustration about ice cream that I think about with this word lavish, and it has to do with my son Jonathan. Jonathan is here today, first time in a long time. Uh, I'm glad to have him and his wife Chauncey in the service, and he likes ice cream, and when he gets a bowl of ice cream, it's usually a pretty good helping of ice cream. But what, what, where the word lavishes comes in, he takes the Hershey's chocolate syrup, and he pours, and he pours, and he pours some more. He lavishes this chocolate syrup onto the ice cream. You know what I'm talking about, the word lavish. You could come up with your own illustrations of this word lavish and the apostle paul says that god through jesus his son lavishes his grace upon us isn't that wonderful he pours and he pours and he pours some more his grace upon us and it it is enough to cover our sins. And it is enough to get us through whatever trial it is that we're going through. His grace is sufficient. He lavishes His grace upon us. And we need that. And He is more than willing to give us His grace through His Son Jesus Christ, take note of what the psalmist said about the grace of God, that He would remove our sins from us as far away as the east is from the west. That's grace lavished upon us. He will pardon all 
your iniquities, the psalmist said. It, it didn't say that he would give us parole. It says that he will pardon us from our sins. The word pardon means to forgive. He crowns us with, with loving kindness and compassion, the psalmist said. Remember, we deserve punishment and death because of our sin. But instead, He gives to us His grace, His unmerited favor. We don't earn it. We, don't, uh, we, we can't deserve it in any way. But He lavishes His grace upon us. The psalmist said that He's slow to anger. He's slow to anger. That's good news for all of us because according to the the book that I read, you and I do not want to experience the anger of God. Because we can read of stories in the Scripture of those who were experiencing the anger of God and we don't want to have anything to do with God's anger. Just ask the people of Noah's day. Ask the people of Sodom and Gomorrah and what they experienced under the wrath of God. You and I do not want to experience the wrath of God. We we can rejoice in the fact that He is slow to anger. And His mercies are higher than the heavens above the earth, the psalmist said. I want you to think about that. His mercies are higher than the heavens above the earth. I saw an interview on TV just the other day. This fellow was from NASA. He was supposed to be smart. But he wasn't very smart because he wasn't giving God the credit for the creations of the heavens. But he was saying some things that were rather interesting to me about the, the planet Pluto. You know, Pluto's been in the news here lately. And he was talking about how far away Pluto is from the earth. And so I was listening, and I've done some looking at the internet since then, reading about it. And, This is what I found. It's 4.67 billion miles from the Earth. A spacecraft was launched on January 17, 2006. That's nine and a half years ago. That spacecraft, as it was traveling through the heavens towards Pluto, that was the mission to get to Pluto, It was traveling, according to what more than one source that I looked at, because I just couldn't hardly believe this, but more than one source said the spacecraft was traveling in excess of 30,000 miles an hour. Nine and a half years. And the spacecraft came just recently, in the month of July, to within 7,800 miles of Pluto's surface, and it took some of the most amazing pictures of this planet. I think I have a picture. That's, that's one of the pictures that it took of Pluto. My point is, the heavens are higher than our minds can imagine, and the psalmist says that God's love towards those 
is just toward those who fear him is just that high. His grace is more than amazing. And just as the music video said, his grace can make you and me flawless. He takes away the stains. He removes the dirty blemishes. He makes us white as snow. Now that's the, that's the invitation that God gives to each and every one of us, that he can make us as white as snow. Why would anybody say no to such an opportunity? He's saying, I can make you flawless. Why would anybody say no to that? I mentioned to you recently that Mark Scott, one of my very favorite preachers, is preaching a series of sermons on the book of Psalms at College Heights Church in Joplin, where my mom goes. And so uh, I've, I've listened to some of Mark's sermons, and, and in one of his sermons, he told a story about a little girl who had Down syndrome. And she approached a fellow named James Pearson, who was leading a disability ministry of the Christian church in eastern Tennessee. It was a Sunday morning at church, and she came up to him, and she put her arm around him, and she said, Mr. Pearson, Mr. Pearson, I want to be baptized. And Mr. Pearson said, well, honey, that's, that's wonderful. I'm so glad you want to be Baptized. Tell, tell me, why do you want to be baptized? And she said, because I want to be like Jesus. And maybe there's a lesson there for all of us. For all of us should want to be like Jesus. Jesus. I, I wonder as we come to the invitation time today, is there someone here who has not yet said yes to Jesus? You've not given your heart and your life to Jesus and, and been baptized into him. The invitation's for you to be made flawless, to be born again, to be made new. In him. And for all of us, as we get a more clear view of his amazing grace, it should move us to want to chase after his heart. Let's pray together. Thank you again, Father, for your amazing grace. May we not just shrug our shoulders at it. May we not take it for granted. May we understand that it's what we need. We can't live without it. For the person who has never accepted Jesus, may that person realize a decision has to be made. A decision to say yes to Jesus. 
And so many of us, most of us here today, have said yes to him, thankfully. May we chase after your heart, God. May we want to be a people with your heart because of your amazing grace to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name.